0: Having served in over 750 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's ethics and compliance programs, visit this month's sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, at www.affiliatedmonitors.com. Mapping your internal compliance controls. As the Securities and Exchange Commission made clear with several FCPA enforcement actions in 2016, the agency has placed, or the commission rather, has placed a renewed interest in the accounting provisions of the FCPA, specifically the internal controls provisions. The BHP enforcement action continued this trend where there is no evidence that bribes were paid or offered in violation of the FCPA, yet the poor in- internal compliance controls at BHP led to a $25 million fine. Kara Brockmeyer, the former chief FCPA unit division of enforcement of the SEC, reiterated that the SEC was committed to protecting investors in U.S. public companies and those which list other securities in the U.S. through enforcement of the accounting provisions, including internal control provisions. It would seem the reason is straightforward. A company with rigorous internal controls is better able to prevent, detect, and remedy any FCPA violations which may occur, or better yet, prevent them from actually occurring. What can you do around the FCPA's requirement for internal controls and the current SEC emphasis on enforcing uh, the FCPA's requirement for good internal controls? I would suggest you begin with an exercise where you map the internal controls your company has in place to the indicia of the 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program as set out by the FCPA guidance. While most compliance practitioners are familiar with the 10 hallmarks, you may not be as familiar with the standards for internal controls. I would suggest that you begin with the COSO 2013 Internal Control Framework, which we're going to discuss in several podcasts down the road. As a lawyer or compliance practitioner, you may not be familiar with all the internal controls that you have in place. This exercise would give you a good opportunity to meet with the heads of Internal Audit, Finance and Accounting, Treasury, or other functions in your company, that deal with financial internal controls. Talk with them about the financial controls you may already have in place. An easy example is employee expense reports. Every every company I've ever worked for or even heard about requires expenses for reimbursements to be presented in a documented form on some type of expense reimbursement form. This is mandatory for IRS reporting, so all entities perform this action. How many controls are there in place? It is Is it the employee who submits the expense reimbursement? And are the is that employee required to sign it? Does the employee's immediate supervisor review, approve, and assign? Sign it? Does the party's employee does any party in the employee's direct reporting chain review, approve, and sign? Does anyone from accounts payable review approve, both for accuracy and to make sure all referenced expenses are properly receipted? Is there any other review in accounts payable? Is there any aggregate review of expense reports? Is there any monetary limit over the additional reviews and approvals which occur? Now, if the employee has submitted expenses for activities that occurred outside the U.S., are there any foreign government officials involved? Were those employees identified on their expense report? Was the purpose of the meal, gift, or other hospitality recorded? Can you aggregate the money spent on any one foreign official, or by a single employee in your expense reporting system. All of these are internal controls that can be mapped in the appropriate prong of the 10 hallmarks or other indicia of your best practices compliance program. You can take this exercise through the end of the, each of the five objectives under the 2013 COSO Internal Controls Framework and its attendant 17 principles. For mapping them, you can come up with a gap analysis to determine where you might need to implement internal compliance controls into your anti-corruption compliance program. This can lead to remedial steps that you can take. For example, you can recommend procedures be written in for all key compliance areas in which there are currently no procedures or existing procedures that can be updated to include compliance issues and clear definitions on how controls are to be evidenced. Through this, you can move to having to detect controls in place to having prevent controls in place whenever possible. As a chief compliance officer or compliance practitioner, this is an exercise you can engage in at no cost. You simply investigate and know what internal controls you have in place and how they may be a part of your anti-corruption efforts going forward. As I previously noted, compliance is a straightforward exercise. This does not mean it was easy, this does, that you do have to work at it, so it will not appear that you simply have a paper program or a check-the-box program. But using the excuse that you have limited resources is simply an excuse, and a rather poor one at that. While the clear lesson from the BHP enforcement action is that you are required to have effective internal controls in place, by engaging in this mapping exercise, you can then figure out what you have, and more importantly, what internal controls that you do not have and need to institute. We previously took a look at gap analysis, and all of those factors and criteria, of course, apply here. So what are the three key takeaways from today? Well, number one, you've got to learn what internal controls your company has in place. And it may turn out that you have many or most of the compliance internal controls that you need. You're just simply not calling them compliance internal controls. Two, I'd really suggest that you map your internal controls to the COSO 2013 Internal Controls Framework. This is really the best framework I have seen. It's something the government recognizes, the Securities and Exchange Commission recognizes, and I don't think you can go wrong if you map to that framework. And leading to number three, You've got to use your gap analysis as a basis for remediation. You actually have to do something after you have made the mapping exercise and in the internal controls. If you don't do anything, if you put uh, your gap analysis and your roadmaps in a desk, it will be of no use to you and certainly will be no help to you if the government comes knocking. Remember the SEC has separate jurisdiction for U.S. public companies on internal controls, and they're required to have effective internal controls. This means the SEC can simply notify you that it wants to review your internal compliance controls, and you will have to have evidence that you have them in place and that they are effective. This is Tom Fox. I hope you've enjoyed day nine to one month to have more effective internal controls, and I hope you will join me tomorrow for day 10. This is Tom Fox again. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of One Month to Better Internal Controls. If you've listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate this podcast as it would help in our rankings. The word out about the only one month podcast series, which enables you to design, implement, and enhance a better compliance program. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you will join us again tomorrow. Once again, thanks to our sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, for sponsoring this month's series. This production of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. I hope you will join me again tomorrow.